Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast from SDI, the home of spiritual companionship. I'm Anne Lancaster. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org. In this week's episode, SDI's Director of Content and Communities, Stephen Crandell, chats with contemplative author and mystic Carl McCollman about their upcoming webinar series, Christian Mystics and Spiritual Companionship, Wisdom Teaching for Those Who Hold Space. This four-part series begins on September 9th and runs through September 30th, 2021. For all the details and to sign up, visit our website at sdicompanions.org. Carl, I always like to start any conversation by finding a little about the story someone tells about themselves. Now, you're an author and a writer and well-known for being a respected resource for people who want to learn about contemplative life, but you're something that people rarely encounter in life. You're a mystic. So I want you to please tell us a little bit about your own story. And if you could start, how did you hear the call to mysticism? Remember, we're a contemplative community, so this isn't so strange to us. And now, how did you hear the call to spiritual companionship? Because I know you're a spiritual director. Right. And, you know, I'm glad that you said it so I didn't have to say it. One of my mentors, a theologian named Kenneth Leach, told me many, many years ago, don't call yourself a mystic. Let other people call you that. So I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So I, I always like to say, if people try to pin me down, I like to say, well, I aspire to be a mystic or I aspire to be a contemplative. But obviously the mystical tradition, particularly in Christianity, but really all of the great world's mystical and contemplative traditions have been profoundly interesting to me for many, many years. To answer your question in some sort of a chronological way. When I was about 16 years old, I experienced a profound moment of unexpected divine presence in my life. I was at a church camp. I think that's why I continue to situate the home of my search within the Christian tradition. You know, so it was in in it, it's just in a, a Lutheran Protestant Christian context. And it was at a Saturday night communion service for a weekend youth gathering, bunch of high school kids from around the state. I grew up in Virginia. So there were probably 80 or 90 of us kids and we were there and it was in the late 1970s. So we were singing stuff like Kumbaya and they'll know we are Christians by our love, you know, that kind of folk worship kind of vibe going on. And in the context of this, the room became suffused with light. It just became filled with light. I became filled with light. I became filled with love. Everything glowed. The love was palpable. It was just absolutely unexpected. It wasn't really my imagination because I think of the imagination as being somewhat under the guidance of the will. You know, you choose to imagine something. You know, I'm going to imagine being at the beach or I'm going to imagine being, you know, at an amusement park. But this was wholly unexpected. It was not something I initiated. It was something that was given to me. And it, at the risk of overstating the case, it changed my life. It made spirituality real for me. It made God real for me. It made the idea that we receive a call and that we are asked to respond to that call real. And so here it is 44 years later, and this is still very much a formative moment in my journey, my story. And so I um, began to explore and I began to take my 
faith seriously. I began to be more intentional about my spiritual practice. And then a couple of years after that, somebody, in fact, I think it was the organist of my church, uh, a gentleman named David, handed me a copy of a book, uh, Evelyn Underhill's book, Mysticism, and said, you know, given your interests and given, you know, what matters to you, I really think you need to read this book. And then it was, again, just this profound opening up for me, really brought home to me that there is this lineage, this tradition of people in our Western culture, but really, you know, again, globally, because Evelyn Underhill does acknowledge, you know, that there are mystical dimensions of all religious and faith traditions, that this idea that people do have extraordinary encounters with the divine, have experience of, of union with the divine, and this kind of transformation of consciousness or of awareness or of being, this kind of embodied reality, all of this just was profoundly resonant with my own experience. And so I think it was at that point that I realized this was something that I could give my life to. I had to kind of take a circuitous route and um, considered going into, into ordained ministry, but then for a variety of reasons, just decided that wasn't my call. Eventually just kind of dropped anchor in a rather unglamorous field. I got involved in retail management, did that for a number of years, but just continued to explore on my own. When I was in graduate school, I was in graduate school in Fairfax, Virginia, which is not far from Washington, D.C. And so that put me in the orbit of the Shalem Institute. And I learned of a quiet day sponsored by Shalem. I went to that quiet day and discovered a tribe of people, my tribe, as it were, people who shared this interest and this calling and this desire for silence and for contemplation and for meditation. And so it was through Shalem that I met my first spiritual director. I was at the ripe old age of about 23, 24, somewhere in that area. So spiritual accompaniment has been part of my care, my self-care, my care being received from others now almost for 40 years. And so it's been a long, long journey. And I resisted for many, many years, I resisted being a spiritual director. And at one point, there was one too many requests. And it was like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> I received some mentoring from a spiritual director here in Atlanta, done a little bit of study here and there. I'm also a life professed lay associate of the Trappist Monastery here in Georgia. So my personal Spiritual direction style, I guess, is kind of a hybrid between Ignatian and Cistercian. But I'm also very much informed by the mystics because I continue to study the mystics. As you know, I've written several books about the mystics and about the gifts that they bring to us. And so it's just been a great journey. And I feel incredibly privileged to be able to share, obviously, not only my own story like I'm doing with you right now, but in the spiritual companionship arena to be invited into other people's sacred stories. And as you know, spiritual accompaniment is a listening ministry. So it is just a tremendous honor to be able to hear people share their stories. And really that's who the mystics are. The mystics are the great storytellers in terms of contemplative spirituality over the centuries. And so obviously there are some mystics that are easier to relate to than others, but that's part of the fun is to receive these great stories and then discern which ones continue to speak to us, which ones have something to say here in the 21st century, which ones maybe are interesting historical curiosities, but that, you know, maybe we don't need to take quite as much of their wisdom into our hearts as others. Yeah, that's part of the journey to discernment. So. Why wouldn't people who explore mystery every day have a little mystery themselves? I well, think that's yeah. part of the wonderful part of it. Well, you know, there are a number of people, I don't know who said it first, but I know 
Brother David Stendhal Ross did say this. He wasn't the only one, but the idea that the mystic is not a special kind of person, but each person is a special kind of mystic. So yes, you can call me a mystic, but you're a mystic too, Stephen. And so is everybody listening to this podcast. So it's not a question of, you know, how do I change myself to become a mystic? It's more a question of how do I listen deeply to my own sacred story, seeing the unique way in which I am called into the mystery? Why should I care about Julian of Norwich's story or Meister Eckhart's story or the Cloud of Unknowing story or John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, Merton, Teilhard, Simone Weil, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Howard Thurman? Because number one, their stories are their stories. So it's just the joy of learning how the divine has moved in the lives of other people from other cultures or other times. But there's always these moments of resonance and seeing how Julian of Norwich struggled with some of the teachings of the institutional church sheds light on my struggle with the institutional church 600 years later. My struggles aren't the same as hers. And I think at the end of the day, we are all looking for how our story calls us into who we most truly are. Was it Merton talks about the true self, this idea of who am I authentically created to be? That wonderful story about Rabbi Zusia, who was so worried that when he dies, God would ask him, why weren't you more like Abraham or why weren't you more like Joseph or whatever? And all God really wanted to know is why weren't you more fully Zusia? And the same thing. So how can I be more fully Carl? How can you be more fully Stephen? How can each one of us embrace the authenticity of who we're called to be? And so we read the mystics not to conform ourselves to their stories, but so that their stories can inspire us to more truly tell our own. Yeah, well said. In fact, that's what spiritual direction, spiritual companionship is trying to ask us. How can we more fully be ourselves, to me anyway? Now, we haven't really mentioned it, so I'll go ahead and say that the SDI webinar series on Christian mystics and spiritual companionship, which you'll be leading, starts very soon, September 8th. And of course, we'd love to have you join live, but it will be available on recordings if for some reason the dates are inconvenient. So you can check that out. The link will be included in this post. Can you, Carl, give us a little preview of what's in store? Well, yeah, I'll begin with just kind of a general conversation about mysticism and spiritual companionship and looking at how those two dimensions of the spiritual life resonate with one another, connect with one another. And then, you know, I'm still developing the content for the course, so I don't want to make any promises that I might not end up keeping. But let's just say that we will be drawing from the voices of the tradition. So there will be some sharing of quotations, obviously some personal reflection on my part, some invitation for shared reflection on the part of the participants, some time for some silence, some time for some conversation or Q&A. And really, I think this will be a spiritual direction experience. So I'm trying to be a little bit open-ended about it and not necessarily have a list of bullet points. And, you know, by the end of this series, you will be able to do this, 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 and this. Rather, we can say that by the end of this series, we will have feasted on some amazing nutrients out of the great tradition together. And we will reflect on those nuggets of wisdom together. And we will listen for the voice, the still small voice together and see how that invites us into the adventure of responding to divine love today and tomorrow. Somebody once said that a faith community is not meant to be a museum for saints. 
It is meant to be a place of nurture for those who are alive today. So I think this is the thing we have to think about with mysticism. It's not just about somebody who lived 50 years ago like Thomas Merton or 600 years ago like Julian of Norwich, but it's about the mystics who are alive today and how we are called deeper into the adventure of responding to divine love and manifesting divine love in our own bodies and our own relationships and our own lives here and now. So I'm hoping that as we reflect on the wisdom of the past, we will be doing it with that kind of discerning heart for who we are called to be today. Carl McCollman is the author of books like The Big Book of Christian Mysticism, Answering the Contemplative Call, and An Invitation to Celtic Wisdom. He also writes a blog on contemplation and mysticism at anamchara.com. In addition to his work as a writer, blogger, and podcaster, Carl leads retreats and maintains a busy spiritual direction practice. I'm going to switch back to your story. I know that you're a writer, and it's clear from visiting your website that you're an educator. And one of the things I see you doing is answering basic questions people might have about (laughs) something which is inherently mysterious, right? And you can't put your finger on. So I was going to ask you, how does your work as an educator and a writer and a communicator and a collator of this great body of work of mystics go together with your work as a spiritual companion? Are they separate endeavors for you or do they cross over? Well, as you know, the part of spiritual companionship is not necessarily teaching. Just the other day, I had somebody on Facebook express how they're uncomfortable with the term spiritual direction or spiritual director. And I responded, I said, yes, I certainly have a little bit of discomfort with that myself. And I think many people do. But I also recognize that almost anything we call this kind of ministry or relationship will have some limitation. So I say, for me, it's like asking for directions. If you're driving somewhere, you know, like in Ireland, you're driving somewhere and you get turned around and your GPS isn't working. You just don't know how to get from here to there. So what do you do? You find a local person and you ask them for directions. And hopefully, you know, with a little bit of good humor and some knowledge of the terrain, that person will help you to get to where you're going. But you still have to make the journey yourself. It's not like the person gets in the car and drives for you. So this is the same thing with spiritual direction, is that it's not about, I'm going to tell you how to be a contemplative or how to be a mystic or how to have union with God. That would be incredibly presumptuous. It's more about, I have this story and you have your story. Let me listen to your story, maybe ask you a few questions, respond to your story, share a little bit out of mine, and hopefully we'll give you some insight in terms of how you are choosing to respond to the divine. So I don't think of education as a significant piece of that. Although certainly if somebody asks me a question and I know something about something, I'm happy to share it. The blog, of course, the writing is a little bit more didactic. I don't really like that word, but Marshall McLuhan said the medium is the message. When you're reading written text, of necessity, it's scripted. It's not in the moment. It's not responding to your story right then and there. So yeah, somebody asks me a question 
you know, and it's general. And so I respond out of my own knowledge and my own research, but again, in a very general way that hopefully will be of some use to that person, but maybe of some use to others who visit my blog. Whereas the spiritual companion relationship is so intimate and so personal where I'm listening to your story. And the questions that I ask are not meant to tell you what to do, but if anything are meant for you to go deeper in the telling of your own story, which hopefully can lead to some inspiration or to some insight. Why not consider going here? You know, take a left here instead of a right and see where it goes, that kind of a thing. Which leads us back to the webinar, because I think what's beautiful about something like that, I mean, even in a webinar setting where obviously it's not one-on-one, but still there will be some opportunity for me to receive questions and feedback and insights from the participants and to be able to respond in the moment. I just find that incredibly fun and inspirational, sometimes challenging, and that's part of the job too. And again, it's not just a script. You know, if it's just a script, yeah, why not just throw it up on the blog and people can go to the blog and read it? It's a lot more fun to have that time in real time. Hopefully somebody will ask me a question I've never been asked before. And then that invites me into some new reflection. So we'll see what happens. So, Carl, just one more question. I know there's some exciting things in your life happening, and I thought maybe you could give us a little bit of an overview. I think there's a new book that came out recently and Mm -hmm. other projects on your website that are really exciting. Could you get people up to speed on those? Well, let's begin with the latest book. It's called Eternal Heart, The Mystical Path to a Joyful Life. And it's written out of the Christian tradition, but again, in conversation with voices from other traditions. And it really begins with looking at teachings out of the Jewish and Christian scriptures about the gifts in our hearts. So it's a celebration of how the heart is our North Star when it comes to the spiritual life and how taking the time to befriend the gifts in your own heart, in everybody's heart, not just spiritual people, not just Christians, not just people who are doing contemplative prayer, but all people, the gifts that are given to us just by virtue of being alive, that really this can help us to cultivate a more meaningful and I believe a more joyful life. So that's the new book. I hope people will check it out. I have been blogging now almost 20 years. I started my first blog in 2003. Some of those old posts are still on the current blog. Of course, a lot of new material over the years. But the blog, you know, like all blogs, is fairly idiosyncratic and fairly personal. I write about whatever I'm thinking about at the moment. But about a year ago, I began a dedicated section that I call my mystical unknowledge base or unknowing base. Let's say you buy a new iPhone or whatever kind of phone, and you can't figure out how to take pictures on it or whatever, you know, so you go to the Apple website and you go to the knowledge base, you know, and you can type into the search field, how do I take pictures of my iPhone? And then up comes an article that teaches you how to do it. And I just had this idea a couple of years ago, you know, there really needs to be something like that specifically for contemplative and mystical spirituality, you know, and nobody else was doing it. So it's like, okay, well, let me try it. And it's definitely a work in progress right now. There's maybe 40 or 50 articles. I can't remember exactly how many. And eventually, hopefully it will be a lot larger than that. But this is just a one person operation. So, you know, it'll just grow organically over time. People have already spoken very kindly of it, that they found it useful and helpful. That somebody who's a beginner, but hopefully they, eventually there will even be some more in-depth material for people who really are encountering contemplative or mystical spirituality. Again, primarily, but not exclusively out of the Christian tradition, that this would be a resource available to them. The one other thing I should mention, and this is looking into the future, there's a wonderful website called Patreon. 
And so a number of people who have chosen to support me, not only with their prayers and their you know, energetic support, but also financially connect to me through that particular website. And so we have begun a conversation on reading the Bible, reading the Jewish and Christian scriptures from the perspective of the contemplative and mystical tradition. And so I am in conversation with a publisher right now. Hopefully that will be green-lighted and that eventually that will be published as a book too. So that's something, but again, that we're talking, you know, two or three or more years down the road, but that's something I am currently working on as well. Wow. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us. I'm going to make sure that we have links to your website and that database here. And of course, a link to the webinar series. You're very welcome. If you're watching this before we go live, please join us because it's going to be a wonderful time. And there will be some time for exchange with Carl, because as you can see, he's avuncular. I like those big words. And he's approachable and he's a great storyteller. So the encounter between you and him is going to be rich. I feel that in my bones. So please consider joining us live. But even if you don't, you can sign up and just watch the recordings because those are also rich because I often watch our own stuff on recording and still get new nuggets on it, kind of like reading a favorite book. So thank you, Carl. We will be together again soon. Blessings to you and okay. take care. Thanks. Bye. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.